to the Mom Empowerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they're experiencing their most challenging behaviors. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Empowerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Girls today face more pressures than we can imagine. In a world with access to 24-7 social media apps, the news, and so-called influencers, coupled with the highest expectations of achievement for any generation, Erin Tarr is here with me today, and she has a recipe for this daily living disaster. At a time in life when these girls should be enjoying friendships and making memories, they are more vulnerable than ever, experiencing unprecedented feelings of loneliness and isolation. This is resulting in the highest rates of teen anxiety, depression, and suicide our country has ever seen. Erin, thank you so much for joining us today. You are welcome. For those of you who may not know Erin, she is a confidence coach for teen and tween girls and creator of the Fierce and Flourish Empowerment Program. As a keynote speaker, parenting consultant, and host of the Fierce and Flourish podcast, she is a thought leader in the youth confidence space. Erin's 20-year career in education and personal development serving tweens, teens, and moms led her to be named among Central Illinois Business Magazine's 40 Under 40 and to be invited to speak on the That's What She Said stage. She has led countless confidence-building workshops with Girl Scout troops, athletic teams, and youth groups, as well as private corporations. So Erin, before founding Fierce Girls, you were head of a private school. You got to tell us a little bit about that. You know, I got my degree in secondary education history, and I really am passionate and always have been about mentoring and guiding the next generation. And as it so happened, as I'm interviewing for positions, there just didn't seem to be the right fit for me in the area where I wanted to live. I wasn't willing to at that time to go anywhere in the country. In retrospect, that would have been awesome. What was I thinking? But at the time, that wasn't my plan. And I heard from three different sources within a very short amount of time, hey, did you know this woman's starting a private school? Hey, did you know this woman's starting a private school? And I believe, I'm a big believer in the rule of three. So I'm like, all right, clearly I need to check this out. So I went and I talked to the woman. I'm like, hey, here's my credentials, which at the time was literally a bachelor's degree in education. And she's like, Oh, can you come on and help me do this? I'm like, sure. That sounds great. So we built and created a private school from the foundation of what she already had, which was an early education center. And we literally built a primary and middle school off of that. And it was, where was that? What's that? Where was it? That was here in Champaign, Illinois. Yeah. And what grades? Kindergarten through eighth grade. That is amazing. Is that the job you just resigned from? So no. No, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I left there nine years ago to kind of strike it out on my own. Having witnessed this powerful woman creating something from nothing and working alongside her and doing that, I was like, I'm going to do that too. (laughs) I'm going to create something that is unique and special to me. And so I took a 
job. I call it a job. Um, I took a job so that I would have enough space and enter- mental and emotional energy to also work on my own entrepreneurial endeavor. And yeah, but that school and that experience and everything I learned there, I always say no one should ever start a school. That's the hardest, stupidest thing anyone's ever done. And yet it was the best thing because it gave me such confidence to do the things that I do and so much learning experience. Someone was paying me to learn so much um, about how to create things and how to run a business and how to do hard things that were brand new that people weren't doing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or just, Hey, come on board and make this happen. Like that's so rare for someone. I always say like, she either had just amazing foresight of what I was capable of, or she was really dumb or a little bit of both, (laughs) but you made it. And look, either way we made it work. It was a success. Yes. It's a, it's still a success to this day. Um, it is a thriving school. Many of my friends send their children to school there. So yeah, it's still going as strong. And then, so eight or nine years ago, you had this idea that has birthed and turned into this fierce girls. So how, how did that sort of, how was that birthed? Great question. I, knew that in order to have the mental energy, you've worked in a school, right? You know, it consumes your entire life. So in order to have the mental and emotional space to be able to create something new, I knew I needed to step away from that job, which I loved, but was all encompassing. Mm -hmm. And so I took a job and I started a blog as one did nine years ago. That's what everyone did nine years ago, right? We started, we all started blogs. So I started a blog because I needed to get out more of my thoughts about what I was passionate about and how that, and hear from other people about how that aligned with ways that I could serve them. And it really came down to, I was passionate about raising my two daughters to be super strong, super confident, and to be able to overcome things with better tools, more effectively at a younger age than I was able to. And as I developed my voice through that blog, That was resonating with a lot of parents, not just moms, but dads as well, about tools that they wanted their daughters to have in order to be, quote unquote, successful, whatever successful meant for them. Right. Yeah. So that's what inspired you to start your business. Were you working with teens at that time in any other capacity than just thinking of it as as your own daughter's? I mean, I have never been far from the teen girl scene <laughs> for whatever reason. Clueless is still one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I that is a great movie. <laughs> and uh, I always, I was always tutoring in the schools or working. I mean, I loved working with our middle schoolers because it was a K through eight and that middle school age was always my favorite working with kids at our church in the youth group capacity, whatever it was. I just love finding the kid, especially the kid that's not connected with anyone else and talking to them and asking them questions and helping them to feel included and really thinking about what does that look like for other girls to be able to do that for each other, not necessarily even an adult. And how do I give them the tools to make stronger connections, to have better community? So I've never been far from, from that space. And my first few clients were actually girls that I'd had 
in our private school at the middle school and their parents were like, yes, keep working with them. Whatever it is you have, like, let's do it. It is so valuable. I mean, it takes a village. We all know that. And when I think of growing up, all the the women influencers in my life, they really help shape and mold who I am today. Like I was just on Facebook with one of them, one of them the other day, haven't connected with them for like nine years. And still I'm just like, thank you. You, you you invested in me and I became who I am today and I still remember their influence and you're having that incredible impact on them and they need it. We all need more than just our family and our mothers and our sisters. We do. Absolutely. And, and I remember my person. I reach out to her as much as I can and say, you are like, I am trying to emulate what you did for me oh. is what I'm trying to do for others. That's so about, okay. So I've got a great question for that in, in a minute. So let me go to my next one. What <laughs> challenges did you see families going through that inspired you to create your program? What is really interesting from the school perspective, when we get to see kids and their parents, and especially at a private school, I was able to see the same because it's smaller, 30 kids going up from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade, watching how their relationships with each other and with their parents and with their teachers change as they develop, as they become amazing individuals. And I saw just a lot of parents coming to this point, especially around that 11, 12 year old age where they're like, they're not my baby anymore. What has happened? What's going on? They won't listen to me. I don't know what to do with them. The ones that were vulnerable enough to tell. And and as an administrator, I was able to talk them through it and say, this is developmentally appropriate. Here's what's going on. Their brains are going through this second rapid stage of development. You're their safe person. You know, there's all these things. There's all these reasons why, but helping walk parents through it as well as helping walk kids through it because both of them are experiencing something for the very first time. And even if you're a teacher, and even if you have worked with kids your whole life, when it's your kid, it's still hard and it's still different. And so helping to reconnect that disconnection in whatever ways I can by reassuring the parent that they're still doing a good job (laughs) and helping the kid have tools to communicate more effectively what's going on with them to reconnect parents through those tricky stages is really uh, the goal and what I saw, you know, really needed to happen. That is so awesome. Okay. So I'm going to dive deep into a situation that I heard recently. Okay. I'll just pretend like I made it up because every time you say that, everyone's like, who's she talking about? (laughs) Okay. This could happen any day. It could happen tomorrow to anybody, right? So you have this teenage middle schooler and the the circle of friends that they're in, one of them found out another one is smoking and whatever it is, just it could be, I'll just say anything at this point. And now um, they're not talking to the other girl because she doesn't smoke. She's not into that. And now they're turning the other friends, you know, not, not, not to have them talk to her. Okay. What does that mom tell her daughter that night? So I have actually run into this type of situation, both because of risky behaviors that you're talking about, as well as just because of changing preferences at ages anywhere between fourth grade all the way up through 12th grade. And Lisa Damore in her book, Untangled, calls it the changing of tribes. Like as you grow and develop, people that you connected with when you were five, six, seven years old, and they're your BFF and your oldest friend forever, 
there's going to be things that change about your personalities, about your likes, about your dislikes, about how you want to be perceived by the world, about your values, which is a huge discussion we have. And that's going to change who you hang out with. And the mom in that situation, my heart goes out to her because she has multiple levels of things going on of how to try and counsel her daughter. One is just about risky behaviors in general, because how she responds to a friend's risky behavior is a huge red light to her daughter about how much she can share with her about her own risky behaviors in the future. So if she freaks out about smoking, like off the charts, daughter knows Mm, if I want to engage in any type of risky behavior, I don't think mom's the person I can talk to about it. That is such a good point. That is such a good point. Okay. You got to say that again. Okay. So parents and moms listening to this. Yes. If there, if your child is confessing to you that a friend of theirs is behaving in a risky way, whether that's with sex or drugs or alcohol or cheating or, you know, whatever it is, the initial response, if at all possible, needs to be as calm and collected mm. and curious more than mad. Because if you go off the handle about that friend and what they're doing and how horrible it is, your child, who at some point will probably engage in some type of risky behavior, will know that they cannot come to you with that. Because look at how you responded when it was their friend. How would right. you respond to it then? And you want but, them to be able to trust you. You want them to be able to know. Yes. Yeah, that's what moms want. So, okay, mom. So you're going to stay calm, cool, and collected, even though you're freaking out inside. When you're done talking to your kid, you're going to go to your bread- bedroom or my other girlfriend gets in her car and screams the out everything, right? And that's where you're going to let it out because then your daughter knows, okay, when that happens to me next time, it's Okay. Uh, my mom's not going to freak out because you're right. When the parents freak out, that's what turns us away. And we're like, oh my gosh, I can't tell my mom. She's going to like kill me. So do we want them to say that? Or do we want them to be open and as difficult as it is, whatever they're going through, do you want to be there in that listening ear for them to, you know, at, at be able to mold them and in a way to give them some advice in some way? <gasps> oh, that was like worth a million bucks. I love that you shared that. All right. So you've been doing this work for the past eight years. You've helped over a thousand teen and tween girls with the importance of interpersonal relationships. How does that affect their happiness? At this age, friendship is everything. Friendship is everything. When they come to you to talk to you about their friendships, they are letting you in on the most important thing in your life. So drop everything and listen. (laughs) Um, But helping them to understand that their overall life satisfaction is going to, in many ways, I mean, if you think about it, you are in a better place when you know you have strong friends that you can trust. You are in a better place when you have um, trusted confidants, when you have your village surrounding you. And girls that age are often like, because of the changing of the tribes and different people going different ways, somebody's playing softball, somebody's doing cheerleading, somebody decided to do musical theater. And here we are like, I play the violin by myself and there's not really a group with violin, you know, or whatever, you know, Um, because of that, there's so much shifting. They're still trying to figure out, okay, who are my people and who can I trust and who can I bring around me? And that is huge in their life satisfaction. And so giving them the tools to understand the different types of friendship, and it's okay to have different friends in different areas and 
it's okay that it changes and it's normal that it changes, you know, even as moms telling them like, yeah, some of my best friends when you were a toddler were XYZ people because we all had toddlers. But now that you're here and you're on the soccer team, my best friends are the moms that are on the soccer team because we're hanging out together and that's normal and that's natural. And it's okay. It doesn't mean one was better or different. It's just different, you know? And so helping them understand that that turmoil they're feeling is normal uh, and giving them a solid home base to come back to when they're struggling with that. And that's where I'm talking about um, giving them other mentors, whether it's Sunday school teachers, which was mine, or coaches or teachers or aunts or, you know, family friends, whoever it is. For one of my kids, it's her godmother. Like she can Zoom with her godmother anytime um, and just have this sense of like, oh, I have a home base. I have people that I can trust, even when the kids around me are a little crazy because they don't know what's going on either. They're all in the same life situation <laughs> and they're all doing the best that they absolutely can. So giving them the confidence very much comes from the foundation that they know that they have strong people and they really only need one other strong relationship of their peer level. That's what studies show for them to feel like they belong. We don't need them to be popular with everyone. We need them to have one strong peer connection. And that doesn't mean it has to be their exact same age. And it doesn't have to be somebody they go to school with. However, you can find that person, whether that's a pen pal, whether that's a cousin that they're really close to, just as long as they have somebody else that is in their age range, they're going to be okay. <laughs> I love that you said that because so many times parents, you know, they come to school and they're like, how is my kid socially? Are they making friends? Do they have friends? And it's like this idea that like we just need more and more and more or the more the better. So I really love that you brought that out. It's okay. It can just be one. As long as there's at least one, we're good. That's really good. I love that. The hard part about that is, is when that one leaves. So what if you have your one and then they move away or whatever? But again, that's why I'm talking about in this virtual age, it's so much easier because, okay, no, they don't go to school with you and you're going to have to find your fitting at school, but like you can still zoom with them. You can still text with them. You still have contact with them. Now, if the one goes away by choice because they want to find other friends, that's a little trickier. And that's where your mentors and your adult group come in to help encourage them until they can reconnect with someone new. So true. So true. So critical. Okay. So I thought of another question. (laughs) I'm going off script. Here we go, Erin. A parent recently said to me, because you have three, three girls, right? Three girls. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe you can help me answer this question for them. They're like, how do I spend time? How do I spend quality time with each of my kids without the other one feeling like I didn't give them the time? How do you, how do you balance it? Yeah. How do you make sure that they all know that they are valued and loved? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me tell you, it is a acrobatic feet at some times. <laughs> I will tell you, I try to spend at least five to 10 quality minutes with each kid each day. And that normally happens either first thing in the morning or last thing at night. And, but I don't put it in my schedule, like it's regimented, but it is tricky. But the thing that's most important to remember is that every child is unique and every child needs what they need. And so my six-year-old needs me to watch her ride her bike. My 13-year-old needs me to listen deeply to whatever she's stressed about that day because 13-year-olds are always stressed about something. 
And my 10-year-old needs me to be her cheerleader and tell her, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. That's wonderful. And that changes, right? And so it's not so much about the specific amount of time as it is about giving them what they need and then communicating clearly with them about, I am giving you what you need. Um, If you feel like you're not getting what you need, here's the ways that you can communicate that to me, especially as they get older. But even my six-year-old can understand. A three-year-old want to understand that. But my six-year-old gets that when I say, you know, because I had a full-time job and a business and clients and I've got them and I've got housework and I've got, I'm going to 17 different directions. But at the end of the day, my six-year-old say, mom, I don't feel like I really saw you much today. And then we'll reflect on that together about the truth of that statement. I'm like, okay, well, we did see, sit and eat muffins this morning, but that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? What do you think we should do about this either right now, tonight, if we have enough time before bed, or should we, is there something you want to span plan special tomorrow? Um, it's never going to be even. And I disavow my children of that all the time. I'm like, there is nothing as equality is not a thing as far as mom goes. <laughs> so hard. No matter how hard you try, you can't. Like. Exactly. Um, but I really, you know, it depends on if that's stemming from true, like lack of mom time or parent time, whether it's a dad or a mom, or if it's stemming from sibling rivalry, which is kind of a whole nother, you know, ball of wax. If you're talking about it from that point of view. So, yeah. Oh, that's really great. Thank you for sharing that. So how can parents help their kids improve their relationships with their peers? Excellent question. The like low down dirty tip that I always tell my clients and kids is always be the kid with gum. (laughs) Why? I, I tell them that because I'm like, look, it is psychologically proven that when you offer someone something, even if they say no, they feel feelings of kindness towards you and they want to do more things for you. Like that just is what it is. Like that's, you know, that's, Science. I can't argue with science. So there's that. Um, And then also teaching them how to be an encourager to others. Because again, when it comes from a genuine place, if you can learn to notice and encourage things about other people without even needing reciprocation, if you just genuinely become an encouraging person, other people want to be around that person. That's beautiful. And it's harder for introverts. Mm -hmm. You really have to work at it. And that's how I work with kids. We do a lot of scripting. We do a lot of role-playing. So when we're all in a group and they don't even know each other, I'm like, okay, find three people that you can say something kind to right now. And they're like, we don't even know each other. I'm like, I know, but none of you know each other. So let's just try, you know? Um, And every time you do that, you're flexing that confidence muscle of like, I can talk to people. I can say kind things. I can think of kind things to say. I'm like, write down 20 like compliments that you could give someone. Now start thinking about those. So you don't have to come up with them in the moment. And the more you do that, the better you will become at it. And you can truly make connections with people, even people that, you don't want to be best friends with, but just people that you want to like, you know, encourage because everybody likes to be talked to kindly. They do. And you're right. It takes practice. It's, it, you literally have to learn it. I mean, when I was, uh, I think in my teens or early 20s, someone told me to read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I'm like, that is like the oldest book there is, it feels. And yet it taught me what is the number one most important word to anybody in the entire world? It's their name. 
And I have made a point over time, and I just continue to remind myself today, in the grocery store, I'll say, hi, Judy, you know, at the and the cashier, and she looks at me like, how do you know me? <laughs> and always me. We are the same person. I do the same thing. And my kids are always like, do you know her? And what's funny about it is I started going to the same checker because I did that long, and we got to know each other. And I've now had the same two checkers. I, one or the other of them is almost always my checker when I go to the store. And I do feel like I know them, like I've known them for almost a decade now, even though it's a huge store in a huge town Something because I, I made an effort, one, you know, one simple little truth that I have lived by ever since I learned it. And then asking people open-ended questions so that they tell you more. And then you ask them more about the thing that they just asked you because people love talking about themselves. And you, if you're just a good listener, They'll want to talk to you again. Anyway, that could be a whole, yeah. a whole other podcast. Okay. Yeah. So what gets you up in the morning that makes you smile every day? Oh my goodness. When I know that my schedule is booked with parents and clients, I'm happy camper. I love talking to people. I love making an impact because I've done so much work on myself and so many tools since I was a teenager that being able to pass those along to other, to girls of that age and then watch them step back and watch them flourish. Like nothing brings me more joy except when it's my own kids, because then it's like double, like, yes, I had an impact and I like, you know, raised them. (laughs) So awesome. Oh, I love that. And so now how have you seen COVID impact teen and tween relationships? Like what's been going on there on your end with all that? Even the most secure of friendships, they're nervous about them. And this is typical teens, right? In typical teenage world, they're nervous constantly about where they stand with their friends. Is somebody else closer with them? Did I say the wrong thing in that situation? This, that, and the other. I mean, in typical world. Then you add COVID where they were forced online or texting or outside only, you know, and just all these sticky parameters and then families differing levels of comfort with getting together. So some kids connected with certain or their cohort at school was changed. So they used to be together all in one class, but now they have two smaller, you know, groups and they weren't in the same group together and things like that. And they're so, there's so much nervousness about where I stand and not wanting to make the wrong move. But then there's also such this sense of joy I see coming forth every time they like are making reconnections. Now when they're brave enough to make the reconnections, the joy with being back together with friends is without masks because 13 and up are are very much vaccinated. A lot of them are vaccinated to see each other's faces, to be able to go in the mall or in a restaurant together. The joy is, is palpable. So you have to balance both. Anything is a balance, right? Anything is a tension of where do I stand, but also, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't, you know, I can't contain it. And I love seeing both sides of it because it means that they're human. They're experiencing the range of human emotions and they're sharing those with one another. Uh, They don't always share their nervousness with one another, but they share it with us, right? And, And we're able to help guide them through that and let them know that even outside of COVID, you would be having some of these feelings. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So how can parents help their kids return to a post-COVID world in terms of their relationships? What would you say? I think the biggest thing is just supporting our kiddos and even helping to mastermind some of the re-entry. We're used to doing that for our five, six, and seven-year-olds. 
we're not as used to doing that for our 11, 12, and 13-year-olds. They're usually pretty capable of like making their own plans, figuring things out, asking for rides. But because of this nervousness of where do I stand, and we haven't done this for over a year for many of them, we might need to talk to Sally's mom and say, hey, is she available? If I have my daughter text her, would she be able to get together, you know, and do a little bit more behind the scenes than maybe we did before. Um, And then have those conversations with our girls about how are you feeling about getting together with friends? Like my 10 year old is still very nervous about being with people. Like this was a formative year for hers. It's more than one tenth of her life was spent in COVID quarantine, right? So she's still very nervous. My 13 year old, on the other hand, is like, how fast can we get back out into the world? You know, so just being sensitive to your own child's nuances of how they're feeling. Uh, I like to do a daily check-in with feelings and needs. What are you feeling right now? What do you need right now? Now, just because you say that you need it doesn't mean that I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> like if you need $25, that's great. I'm glad I know I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> but but a lot of times what will come up in that if you really start to do that on a regular basis, what are you feeling? What do you need is number one, they'll become more emotionally literate because feeling is not just happy, sad, mad, angry, tired. It's could be any, you know, there's a whole host of emotions. And when you start to explore that, you're going to become more emotionally literate, which is great. That's a huge skill that they need to have. And then when you talk about their needs, they're going to start to get deeper on, well, I really need, you know, a close friend, or I need so-and-so to call me, or I need you to like back off me cleaning my room every day. And again, that doesn't mean you're going to get it, but at least then we're opening the lines of communication about what that is. And then feeling, how does that align with the friendship question. It's like seeking first to understand. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, right? That's really bothering you. I didn't think that. I didn't know that, but now I know that. And like, it might not change it, but knowing it, I think just adds so much more to the relationship and then what you're going to do next or I think that understanding piece, I think is huge. So for parents who may not have a strong community to lean on to support their kids, where Uh, You mentioned some places they could find some mentors. Where else do you uh, recommend parents find mentors for their kids? Yeah, well, we have a Fierce Moms group. And so I'm always encouraging people, join our Fierce Moms group, talk to other moms about where they have groups for their kiddos. And a lot of times it's going to be a church situation or a sports situation where you're going to get to know other adults that are already in your kid's life. And then- Adults want to make an impact if they can, right? I very rarely have had someone ask another adult to say, hey, could you meet my kid for coffee just to, you know, hang out with them for a half an hour, I don't know, once a week, every other week. Would you be willing to do that just to be a listening ear for them? I've never had anyone say no. (laughs) I say, how can we fit into our schedule? Yes, but the other adults that are surrounding you that care about you or care about your kid, even if they don't care about you, they want to see them succeed. Everyone wants to see the next generation achieve all that they're capable of. And so it does take some confidence from mom or dad though, to go out on a limb to ask someone else. And it takes humility. It does. It's hard. Uh, Humility to ask. Anybody all day long can give, 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 give. It takes humility to receive and ask and be in that place of a little bit of weakness yeah, that's hard. That's not comfortable. It takes a risk for us parents. But that's what we want to model for our kids too, is that piece of humility as well. Like I'm not too proud to say like, I want other adults to speak truth into my kiddo's life, you know, and 
of course there are professional life coaches as well. There are therapists, you know, um, I, I'm a firm believer in therapy. Everybody should, should have a therapist appointment once in a while. Uh, that's going to look a little different than a life coach. which is going to look a little different than a Sunday school teacher, which is going to look a little different than an aunt. But the point is to give your child options of people they can talk to, people they can trust, that they can develop great relationships with and know that are in their corner no matter what. I love that. And you offer a free video on your website. Tell us a little bit about that. My four-part video course is called Triumph Together Through the Teen Years. And you you do not have to have a teenager to log on and have access to this because it's really about laying the relationship groundwork so that you can triumph together through the teen years. It is never too late, but it's also never too early to start laying that strong groundwork to make that happen together. So just go to my blog, erintar.com slash blog, and it'll pop right up at you and say, do you want this? And just say, yes, I do. That's awesome. I love that you put that together because sometimes, uh, you know, moms that are listening are like, can I just have something quick, easy, I can refer to, I can share it with someone else. It'll just give me like a little piece of advice that I could use today. And it sounds like that's exactly what that does. So thank you so much for putting that together for all of us. And, um, and I'll put that link in the description notes of this episode for those of you who are listening. Um, and where should people go if they want to connect with you and learn more about you? Yes, my website is a great place to go, erintar.com. It will direct you anywhere you would like to go, whether you want to become a one-on-one client or you want to learn more about my Fierce Moms group or you're just interested in what I have to say on my blog because I am constantly answering parent questions about what's going on with their teen and how they can work alongside them to have the most success possible. So that's Aaron Tarr, T-A-R-R, right? And um, what's one thing that you've been working on recently with a teenager that just happened like in the last week? And what did you do to help them? Oh, great question, man. I have a young girl who is getting ready to change schools. So her school year just ended and she applied to a much more prestigious uh, private school all on her own, made this decision, and it's going to be a big shift for her. And so she's really trying to wrap her brain around, yes, I wanted this, but now that it's going to happen, how do I prepare myself? What do I do? I'm not going to know anybody. It's going to be much harder. Like she's seeing in advance all of the obstacles. And so we're breaking them down into these smallest little bites of what she can do on a daily basis to start preparing for what she knows is coming. And that's one of the great things about working with teens is that I've pretty much seen it all at this point between my own teenage experience, all the women I know working in the schools, we are able to say, here are the things that are going to be coming up for you. And here are the ways that we can prepare in advance, be proactive about what's happening so that this mountain that it feels like a mountain now can kind of be shrunk down to a molehill. You're still going to have to overcome it, but we've got the tools and we can make this happen. That is so awesome because as parents, it's like, there's no parent university and there, I just had a child and where's the book on that child? Like, it's not there. Like, or even I always said that with marriage, like you go for university to do your full-time job. Where's the university to do this thing we call marriage for life? Like, hello, help me. And I love how you created this. So moms listening, we can, we can tap into this and actually proactively help and prepare our girls 
kids, boys, whatever, for whatever it is that they're going to face that we all know they're going to face and have difficulty with anyway. But how often do we wait till, oh no, this thing happened. Oh crap. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. What do I, and you know, and then that's the time when we're like reaching out, but I love how you've prepared this as something that is something that can help us walk us through on the forefront and really train and get them ready and prepared for the life that they're going to hit. That's going to hit them anyway, because it hits all, hit all of us. And if you ask anybody, they're like, please don't take me to, back to my adolescence. We're like, I'm not going back there, right? Like it is real. It is. Adulting is hard, but like adolescence, like that's a tough time too. Well, I just love hearing about the work that you're doing. It's so needed. I mean, now more than ever, you're such a beacon of hope to our teenagers. They need someone like you to help navigate the adolescent world and I, like I said, I wouldn't want to go back to it. And you're making such a difference in their life. And I just love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Erin. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate um, just being able to connect with more parents that really want what's best for their kiddos. If you'd like more info on how Erin can help you and your team, Contact Erin at www.erintar.com. That's E-R-I-N-T-A-R-R. And mention this podcast episode. I'm an affiliate of Erin and you won't be disappointed. Reach out to Erin today and see your team go from self-conscious to self-confident. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Mom Powerment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today, and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again, and remember, don't worry, be happy.